NPR. If you want a sampling of Alabama life, a great place to start is the Pepper Place Market. It's this weekly farmer's market in downtown Birmingham. It's complete with a bluegrass band, bread pudding, and lots of veggies. And on this particular Saturday morning, an electric vehicle car show. I'm in the uh, little smart uh, electric car. Shane Campbell's here with the Alabama Clean Fuels Coalition and his bright orange two-seater smart car. Convertible, super fun to drive. It's basically a combination of a uh, golf cart and a go-kart. Now, you might not think of pairing EVs and Alabama, but the state's already a big player when it comes to automobile manufacturing. From Toyota to Mercedes, four major automakers have assembly plants here. That's staggering when you think about it. This Alabama has become literally the new Detroit. Now, Detroit might be pushing it, But with the world transitioning to EVs, southern states are making their move to take the North's title as the place to make cars. I want those jobs here, you know? I want my friends and co-workers employed. So Alabama's full steam ahead on electric. Yeah. This is The Indicator from Planet Buddy. I'm Darian Woods. You just heard Stephen Fasaha from the Gulf States Newsroom. Yes, we are a family of public radio stations in Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana. So on today's show, we're going to go through three reasons why the South has a good chance of beating the North to becoming the country's EV manufacturing capital. And why some Southern auto workers worry what that EV future means for their own. This message comes from NPR sponsor American Express. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This advertisement comes from our paid sponsor, Fundrise. High interest rates mean that real estate assets are available at a discount compared to previous valuations. The Fundrise flagship fund plans to expand its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. Add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio at fundrise.com indicator. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the fund before investing. Read the prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. Okay, before we get into why the South has the inside lane in the American EV race, we should talk about what's fueling automakers to want to build in America. Yeah, and the answer is last year's Inflation Reduction Act, which was really more of a climate bill. Before the act, Americans buying a new electric car could get a $7,500 tax credit. Now, the law added a new catch. To get that big discount, the car has to undergo final assembly in North America. So all of the foreign manufacturers are scrambling to build EV plants. A.J. Jacobs is a professor at East Carolina University who's written about the rise of foreign automakers in North America. He says that since foreign automakers want that tax credit applied to their cars, they're looking to build plants in the U.S., like at an upcoming Hyundai plant in Georgia. That's exactly why Hyundai opened that factory in Because they were going to lose the subsidy. But then that type of production, if it's going to be opening anywhere, it sounds like the good money is on it opening up in the South. Yeah, sure. Sure. If it's got to be in the United States, it's going to be in the South. 
Okay, so reason number one for that southern edge in recruiting EV factories comes down to labor, both because the labor is cheaper down here and because of the lack of unions. Unions just don't have a good grip in the South, especially compared to union strongholds like Detroit. You know, part of it is just that unions have found it hard to get off the ground, and part of it is right-to-work laws in the South. And this whole situation is a big part of the reason why foreign automakers started opening up factories in the South in the 80s instead of in the North. They want passive labor forces. I mean, all capitalists want that, you know, right? (laughs) I mean, they make more money if they don't have any trouble with the labor. The United Auto Workers strike showed how much a union can hurt a company. GM said the strikes cost it hundreds of millions of dollars. And AJ says Japanese automakers are especially vulnerable to strikes because they run lean factories where they have no stockpiles and literally sell the cars as soon as they make them. So if there's a strike, they don't have a ready supply of cars to help them get through it. I used to drive through Michigan and you'd see, you know, Ford and General Motors factories with cars everywhere, as far as the eye can see, or they were in, you know, big decks. You don't see that. Japanese car factories, the footprint is tiny compared to the American car factories. So if you're a car maker, and especially a Japanese car maker, fewer unions is definitely a big pro on the list in favoring the South for your next battery plant. But a point in favor of northern states like Michigan is that they have a more than 100-year head start in building cars. And that brings with it a whole ecosystem of smaller factories and suppliers to support the industry. Yes, and this gets us to the second thing in the South's favor, and it's their counter to the North's advantage. The South has come up with very attractive incentives to get those EV jobs. So they're willing to throw everything to win the factory because there's a lot of reward. And Southern states have been raising multi-million dollar incentive pots at an astonishing pace. You know, it went from um, 150 to 250 to 400 to 500 in like snap, you know. And now it's more than a billion. And it keeps going up. For that Hyundai plant in Georgia, the state promised nearly $2 billion. And it's not just that the South is willing to offer so much in incentives. It's also that northern states just aren't willing to go so high. I don't think the northern states can compete. And let, I mean, northern governors may say, well, it's worth it for me. But, you know, how am I going to cut other budgets to pay for this thing? The final pro when it comes to the South is that they've finally caught up with the North when it comes to supply chains. They now have their own massive assembly plants and small factories, making the parts like cameras and headlamps the bigger assembly plants need. Basically, everything you want for a functioning auto industry. Anywhere along I-65, I mean, that's the new automation alley in in the United States. It used to be I-75. I-65 is the spine of the auto industry, they call it. Now, AJ doesn't expect the North to be completely shut out of the EV transition. He said companies will also still expand at the facilities they already have in northern states like Michigan. But he does see a majority of those new EV factories and the jobs they bring with them coming to the South. So what does that all mean for the old traditional auto factories and the workers there? Morris Mock's been a technician at a Nissan assembly plant north of Jackson, Mississippi, pretty much since it opened 20 years ago. When it comes to the legacy workers, the workers that have been there for a while, what are you going to do with us? And he's asking because that's still a big question with EVs. Since new cars don't have engines, 
What do you do with all the workers in the engine department? I know you're saying engine department, but we call it uh, uh, the chassis department. I appreciate the correction. <laughs> you know, we have to call it what it is. Yeah, call it what it is. Okay, it's been a little while since I wandered an assembly plant. Fair enough, fair enough. This worry over EVs was actually a big part of the United Auto Workers strike. The workers want better pay, benefits, and job security as we go through this global EV transition. Now, it's worth noting that there is little research showing EVs would mean fewer auto jobs. In fact, some research suggests making EVs requires more hours of work. What we do know is that EVs definitely require different jobs, like the chassis department mounting batteries instead of engines. Morris wants to make sure that the current workers get retrained for those new jobs, something he hasn't seen yet. We're scheduled to start on the EVs 2025, right? How many workers could truly say at Nissan that they've been trained? Very few. Nissan told us in an email that it's currently developing the plans for retraining nearly 2,000 of its workers at that plant. Morris isn't convinced that this will happen without a union. He tried and failed to unionize this plant back in 2017. But he says the United Auto Workers' strike is shifting his co-workers' feelings about unions. Every day, workers are asking me, when? Everywhere I go, workers are asking me inside that factory. I feel that um, workers across the South are wanting to organize. Now, again, the South's auto industry was built on it being anti-union. But between all the incentives and the investment automakers have already made here, Southern states still got the edge, even if workers decide to organize. This episode was produced by Julia Ritchie with engineering by Nisha Hines. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Our editor is Kate Concanon. The Indicator is a production of NPR. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. She is the biggest pop star in the world, and everything she does makes news. I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I've been there, and you can identify with it. For a breakdown of Taylor Swift and her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. 